Hey guys, before we get started, I wanted to invite you to our private Facebook group. All you got to do is head over to Facebook and type in unconventional leaders in your search bar. We have a powerful community over there of people who are going against the grain and making an impact in this world in their own unique way. We would love to have you a part. Again, that is unconventional leaders over on Facebook. I've been called to beyond the basic needs, which is I want you to serve with your talent. If you if you're a freelance writer, you want to write, surf from that place. Don't go out and say, I think I can sew or paint. No, whatever your passion is, I want you to surf from that place. Yeah. The energy is way different than forcing someone to paint a wall when they say, you know what? Really, I love to crochet. Then crochet. I've always felt in I was born with several falls. I have always felt small. I may be blind, but I teach people how to see. And I'm proud to be an individual. This podcast is for you, the unconventional leader. Maybe you are the one that everyone discounted. Maybe you struggle with fear and self-doubt. We are here to empower the next generation of self-starters to step up. Use their voice and make an impact in this world. When someone is creating something from their heart, I don't know how love cannot be a part of it. That comes from today's guest, Terry Grail. If this is your first time listening, my name is Heather Parody. I am your host. This show is for unconventional leaders, those who are stepping up, using their voice, and making an impact in this world in their own unique way way. Terry Grail is the founder and visionary of Enchanted Makeovers, which has been pioneering change for women and children living in shelters and who are escaping from human trafficking, domestic violence, and female homeless veterans. Terry and her team go in and transform these shelters into actual homes for these women and children, but she believes is a sacred place and enables them to shift their outlooks about their lives and the possibilities for their futures. Enchanted Makeovers has grown to be a national charitable organization that is uplifting women and children living in shelters and uniting communities worldwide. Today, Terry shares with us about the power of naming our home, how you are a leader even when you do not feel like it, and why it's important for us to serve from a place of our passion. And I do want to note that there is a very important education piece on this around the language that we use when we are serving others. Terry shares with us about what she refers to as segregation in the way that we serve and how we have to be mindful in our language and our copy. Those of us who serve on nonprofit boards, run nonprofits, etc., when we're giving, when we're donors, that we're very intentional with the language that we use and are not coming from a place of separation, hierarchy. So that is a very important piece that I encourage you to listen to. I believe it's about halfway through the interview. And I just wanted to highlight that because as leaders, I think it's really important for us to be educated on topics like that. Now, if you're listening to this and you get any value from it and you have a friend that pops up in your mind, maybe they work in a nonprofit, maybe they have a servant's heart, or heck, maybe they love this conversation about the importance of your environment. Please take a screenshot of this episode and share it with them. I know Terry's story, her advice is really going to impact so many people's lives. So I thank you for taking the time to screenshot it and share it with that one friend. All right, y'all, let's go ahead and get into this. Healing your home with the Terry Grail. Um, I had a decorating business. So I have four children. When they all went to school, they were full-time in school. I started a decorating business, and I remember telling my mother that it was going to be more about giving women hope than decorating. Mm -hmm. Now, mind you, all residential homes, 
nothing to do with shelters. My first client lived on a really busy road here in Michigan. It's um, Woodward. With my clients, I would ask them to name their homes. To name their homes, like give your home yeah. a physical name. Okay. How come? Um, I think it's some, it's important. It really makes us think about where we want to go in the future. What does your home really represent to you? I want people to go deeper than just the physical space. And I think when you name something, it just kind of changes things. People name their cars. So I'm like, why don't we name our homes? So she named it High Hopes. We had the sign hung outside. I mean, obviously before that, the, the kitchen was transformed. Her guest room was transformed. It was all about her grandmother. Um, her grandmother took care of her a lot through her childhood. So I went on with other clients. So a whole year had passed. And her client came in one day and asked, he started sharing about this home he went by every day to work. And she said, well, tell me, what does it look like? And he said, well, there's a sign outside and it says, hi, hopes. Mm. And he's like, oh my gosh, that's that... I have to tell you about this woman, how she helped to heal my home and heal me. And, and this gentleman, besides... Um, his company he ran, he also um, did volunteering to raise money for a shelter for women and children. Oh, wow. And he said to um, my client, do you think she'll come and paint a wall? Because nothing had ever been done to the shelter. Wow. So it was a simple request, can you paint a wall? And she called me the next day and she says, you've got to call this gentleman and you've got, you've got to help. You've got to do something. So it was December of 2006 that I called, his name was David. And that's what he asked. He says, can you please just do something? And the shelter was a post office, an old post office where the women would stay for one year with their children. And it was January of 07 that I went to the shelter and they gave me a tour. And the last stop was the women's dorm. And um, I try to explain, imagine, I love the idea that the dorm was upstairs. So you had to go upward. But the staircase, it was, it was donated, this chocolate brown paint was donated and they painted everything. So it was the steps, the trim around the windows, the door, it was a huge metal door. And you had to use both hands just to push it open to get into the dorm. And I remember going in there and everything physically, I mean, everything you could see in the room was broken. So you had lights hanging by wires. I asked the, one of the employees there, you know, where did the bunk beds come from? She said, well, they were donated from a prison. I said, well, what about the bedspreads? Well, they were donated from a nursing home. And um, there's no dresser. And she said, well, the dressers we use, there's boxes underneath the bunk beds. That's that's the women's, that's what they use for a dresser. And I remember being in that, I, I always pick up on, I didn't know it as a child. I didn't understand it. It was just really heavy is I pick up easily on energy, especially mm. people's energy. And the room was just like consuming me. Like, mm. All I kept thinking, I didn't say out loud, was how do you go to bed with any dream and wake up with any hope when the, what you're feeling inside, you're physically, you are seeing with your own eyes, your face. Right. So the students is actually working against the program. And I'm all about repurposing. I'm a flea market fanatic. If I can repurpose and bring anything back to life, that's a dresser, a nightstand, but everything was either the wall was held together with duct tape, the crib was held together with duct tape. Before pictures, like I did, would do for a client, I told the staff member, I don't know if I can do anything. And I left. <laughs> I tried to be very honest. I left and I thought, what the hell was that? God, why did you bring that into my life? Right. I have four children to take care of. I have a business and I want nothing to do with this. Wow. I'd be raw and real. 
That's what was going through my head. That's real. That's true. It was true. And I drove home and I said, I want to think about this. It's not my problem. Mm. So a whole week had went by. And at that time, you would download pictures. There was no, you use your phone to take every picture. And a week went by and I'm like, you know, I probably should look at those before pictures. So I download the pictures and there on that stained mattress, um, the wall, you saw the duct tape. You saw the two pillows, no pillowcases on them, and it was white on white. So it could easily be missed when I was there, but I've always loved polka dots since I was a child. And I saw the polka dots on that pillow, and I heard, trust me, there was nobody in the room. It was just me sitting there, and I raised my right hand in the air, and I said, I'll do it. I had no clue how I was going to get the volunteers the money, how, how I was even going to do it. Um, I returned to the shelter a week later, presented my little design board with my braided, at the time I braided my hair. And I say this the most loving way, but they brought the women from Seneca Street, which is the, the second step, which is the aftercare, which is transitional housing. So you had about 50 women in the chapel staring at me like, who in the hell is this woman with this braided hair? Yep. And is it with a broken promise? Because they yep. had things done that no one ever came back and finished. I can say that now I understand there's no judgment there, but I get it now. I just lost it. I broke down in tears. I know understand now what the tears were is the mirror was flipped. I had to do that soul searching but the beauty of it is, is they began, the women began to cry with me and they said, everything's going to be okay. Wow. And I knew that stays with me today, even after 13 years, is that there's a difference. Not, I think, you know, giving is, is very important, but not all of us are called to do soul service. Right. I believe I've been called to do that, but I also want everyone to come along that may not understand that, and that's okay. But right. I am walking beside the women. She is me. And I had to go back and flip all the chapters backwards and understand my own story and heal. I'm still healing some of those pieces. So I'm here with the sisters beside me saying, can you listen and understand our story? We are not our circumstance. The four walls do not define us. And I think that's where the leadership comes in is that we're all standing together with this. I'm not over here saying do this and do that. Is I'm with everyone. You know, it's a full circle mission. Yeah, yeah. What do you think it is about like your specific story that God called you to do this specific work? I mean, we battled with homelessness when I was a child. I didn't know that. My mom tried to keep things pretty as normal as possible, but we moved. We lived with family and friends. Some consider that, like even today, the government doesn't consider that homelessness. They, you know, some call it couch right, surfing. That's right. what we call it back then. But it is. It was rough. I mean, my parents did the best they could. You know, I would say the media was the needy child. And that's why I'm very careful. And I tried to be a teacher. I'm a student most of the time in this, but a teacher in how we, the words we use, because words can either destroy or uplift a life. So if you went through an entire website, you'll never find anything before a woman and child that's either abused, needy, homeless people. I wasn't aware in the beginning. I would say these or those women. And it was my mother right in the very beginning that said, who are you talking about when you say those women? Wow. And I, it was like a light went off is that my words, how I'm even, and it would just switch like that. And I started noticing even on television when they had the media, they had two young boys standing with the man in the middle. And he said, 
donate today and help these two needy boys. Mm. And I thought, wow, like I never noticed it before. It was like, wow. Yeah. I try to be a teacher and there's so many branches with EM is that we've got to change even how we speak about this situation. Wow. So that's part of the leadership. And I I would never saw myself as a leader. It's just, this is, people will say that to me, but I'm like, okay, I guess if that's what you want to call me. Yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting. We, we, talked about this in the show before the hesitancy to call yourself a leader because it's it's just strange for some of us to be able to do that but really leadership is just influence and what influence do you have in your life right now and what you're what what you have what you're creating right now is influence in a in a whole world of people who will listen to you and like you telling me like I've never thought about that before, but you're right. Like the language on a website of being very mindful of how you, how you speak about someone, you know, I mean, like, wow, that's, that's a powerful lesson right there. And I'm so grateful for you for sharing that. Thank you. You'll notice it how others speak. And I hope now that you know, it's, it's Maya. I know I'm going to mess up this quote from Maya Angelou is that when we know better, then we'll do better or something like that, you know, but now that you know, it's it's our responsibility now in most loving way is to correct others. Right. You know, we do that when we have people come and volunteer and they say, I'm, I'm here to help their abused woman. And I'm like, okay. And yep. that's what I have to share and teach. That's that's so powerful. The, the home, I wanted to ask you about that because I think there's so much like spiritual implications and just a lot of depth to what a home represents and how it can uh, really influence us. And I've never really thought so much about it before until I was like going through your website and reading some of your content. But a lot of it just made a, so much sense about what it represents and the care that we take with it. I mean, like for you to like name your home, like high hopes, and like wow, like the implications of that is just so powerful. Um, can you just you know share with us a little bit about what the home represents to you and why we have the opportunity to create something within our home that actually influences us <laughs> in our lives? Home is different for everyone, I believe. Some people feel at home when they're in the woods. Some people feel at home when they're with just hanging out with their friends. It doesn't mean the four walls. That's what I believe. I do know and believe, and I know it's a fact that our environment affects us mentally and physically. So it's not rocket science that I was just interviewed about a week and a half ago. And during the interview, I noticed in the background, this woman had a red chair. And I said, well, she was, you know, trying to understand it deeper. And I said, well, why do you have that red chair? And she says, something about it, it makes me happy. Mm. Isn't that enough right there to understand how important that we need to have that? Um, it's just part important as the counseling that the women receive right. in your space. And she's like, it was like a light bulb for her. It's like, he, okay, yeah, it's not just food and clothing. I think for space, you know, for me, I'm not about anything trends. I don't even, I've never been called to decorate. Yeah. If I did, I would have kept my decorating business. Your home should represent, it should be that sacred space that only, it's only, it doesn't matter what others, if they don't understand it, it's whatever is in your heart. Do you, I, I've shared before, there was a piece I had to share about how we could redo a room. I think it was for Woman's World or something. And I said, what about your children's art? We know we get a lot of that through the school. You know, they bring home stuff. I said, but it's just something that's so... It doesn't matter if it's the trend. Yeah. Hang on your wall. You know, it's beautiful. 
and I anything to do with child and that childlike faith is mm-hmm. so powerful to me. I think when I'm hearing you speak, I just the word awareness keeps coming up for me. Where you know you were talking earlier about awareness of the language we use and awareness of why we're drawn to certain pieces. I think we tune a lot of that out because we're so busy and life's so crazy that kind of pausing to stop and actually paying attention to what's coming up for us and what we're speaking and what we're saying, what we're doing, and it requires um, there's an exchange there where we have to really learn how to tune in and really pay attention. Was that just instinctual for you? Is it a habit that you learned how to do it? Like, where did that come from? I have discovered when it began this whole journey with the shelter and people say, who, who do you go and who do you, you know, what groups do you hang out with? Who do you, you know, learn from? I said, it's women and children that have taught me about authenticity and vulnerability and being my true self is just over the years of sitting with women and them being so, the women being so raw and real is that was the, the wonderful gift that the women have shown me. That was, that was the golden piece that they taught me. And um, cause before that, when I had my decorating business, I felt it was, I mean, I gave 110% to my clients. When I went into their homes and left, I still didn't feel that was me, that I had to put this whole act on. When you meet with women that are just, this is it. And there is no, well, I won't <laughs> to say something else, but they know when they're um, being lied to. Okay. Sure. And there is no trying to um, throw any crap at them. Let's just be real here. It's becomes the most powerful thing that they've shown me. Now you hesitated doing all of this. Like you said earlier, you were like, not me, not today. I already got a business. I got four kids. Like this isn't it. Now, now you took the leap. I don't know how many years it's been. If you wouldn't mind sharing with us just a little bit about your journey of like when you went ahead and said yeah to it, what, what you've learned since then, are you glad you took the leap? Has it been uncomfortable? Like, are there days you still question like doing what you do right now? Like, I think there's a lot of people listening and they have like this tug on their heart for something transitioning into it. There's a lot of fear and there's also a lot of reality to it because there is a cost you know, and it's probably been disruptive. My faith is very, very important with this because there's been times I've been on my knees praying, but I've never regretted. I've never regretted saying yes to um, closing my business, mm-hmm. starting a nonprofit. It's grown from just this local to national to now having our own national headquarters. You know, people have asked, what's what's in five years? I I can't tell you that because part of me too loves the organic part of of getting that call saying I need you here and not having to have all the answers and just going. I just know deep down. I mean, people say I want to start a nonprofit. I said that I feel the most successful nonprofits are the ones that the cause came to them or it was always there to to be birthed because this goes back. Nothing's made up about enchanted makeovers. This is my story. I, you know, the childhood, um, it was just waiting. I guess it was kind of like sitting there waiting for the, my four kids to be full time in school. And, um, none of that time of having my decorating business was wasted. I think it was all part of the journey. Nothing's been forced. It's just been, there's times I feel like it's going on. Even if I want to stop it, there's a force that's way stronger than me. That's saying we, this has to be, there has to be a changing this. I see as a paradigm shift, a movement. And it's just changing the way we serve. It changes the way we see each other. It was nothing that I sat and made up. It just happened. And I look forward to seeing what's next in the next five years. How has it changed you personally? I really understand myself more, understanding people better. I think everyone wants to have a voice and be a part of something. There's healing. 
I've went through some healing. I've got some long, some ways to go, but like I said, it's been a journey. We all do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I think that's why it's so important that people understand the full circle is that so many volunteers come to me that are in pain themselves, but they also are making quilts. Mm. And, but then you have a woman sitting there, I'm sitting at lunchtime with her in a shelter that the story isn't much different to the woman that's making the quilt. Yep. How can we, that's the part where people understand that until we get that piece and connect it, it will still be, and this is a strong word, but I use it. There'll still be segregation in how we serve. That's good. Yeah. That's how I see it is, is that the woman sitting there going, well, like I said, the, the the women and children have been such teachers for me. So how can I sit there and say, Bobby and Jill, you're making those quilts and you have so much to give and offer to the women. And the woman's sitting there going, wait a minute, I have a voice here. Do you know I once was a teacher and I had that nice home, but I also went through from four to 14 sexually abused by my father. So I have a story to hear. So that's where I have, I'm the piece to step in and say, I will be a voice for her, but she's also given me a voice. Yeah. It's, it's really a hierarchy thing of I am above this and I help people without really understanding. And, and that's something I'm trying to shift to in my own mind is that I'm so grateful that you're having this conversation. It's we kind of come in as saviors sometimes, like, oh, we want to save people and, you know, we're up here and not really understanding that we're all the same in playing ground. There is no hierarchy. There is no saving. There is none of that. And it's interesting how as humans, we kind of gravitate towards that. Um, and that's a, that's a big unlearning process. Like I'm guessing you tell me, I'm guessing the only way to start unlearning that is to start getting dirt, like our hands in the dirt and getting in the work and exposing, you know what I mean? Like doing, the well, work. I think, I think that, um, when, when you, for the volunteers and donors, I mean, I, I feel I'm more called that way to really work with that village, what I call the villages of donors and volunteers, because it's a win-win for everyone. So that energy we bring into, no matter when we're creating something, I believe the energy is going into that handmade item. So I don't truly don't want it to be a negative, which when someone's creating something from their heart, I don't know how love can't be a part of it. I think it's possible because you're sharing a piece of yourself. That's why we're so big about handmade is because it, to the woman making the quilt, she's sharing a part of herself, which ends up always being I want to share my story. So it's purposely done like that. I mean, my mother, that's how she took care of us. Everything was handmade. And there's something really powerful when all that comes together and then it's brought to women and children in their room, the most sacred space, I feel, in a home. Um, and all that's wrapped physically even around them as they go to bed at night. Yeah, yeah. And you can get that from a shelf at a store. I mean, and most of the people I've talked to, they have something that someone gave them that was handmade. And I always ask, does it feel different? And they say, absolutely. I said, can you imagine being away for a year to rebuild your life, but you're surrounded by that and you can touch it and feel it? How much more powerful that is for the healing process? Wow. Then that's a bed in the bag. Yeah. And people say, well, at least it's better than nothing. That's not our attitude. I've been called to beyond the basic needs, which is I want you to serve with your talent. If, you, if you're if you a freelance writer, you want to write, surf from that place. Don't go out and say, I think I can sew or paint. No, whatever your passion is, I want you to surf from that place. Yep, because it's not an accident. You have that particular talent, that gift was put there for a reason. The yeah. energy is way different than forcing someone to paint a wall when they say, you know what, really, I love to crochet. 
than crochet. I love that. Ooh, Terry, I have one final question for you that I ask all my guests. But first of all, I just want to thank you so much for your time. It's been kind of a journey, us getting together, but I'm so grateful that it actually happened. And I know this message is going to just touch so many people. And just the work that you're doing, going ahead and saying yes to that calling, you're not only influencing the women uh, that you work with, but also to just all of us as leaders in our own industries. Uh, rethink how we move about and the way that we treat people and the way that we look at our own service and our gifts. And it's just, wow, what a powerful message you have. Thank you so much for joining us today. If someone wants to find you online, connect with you, figure out how maybe they can either get involved or whatever, in whatever capacity, uh, where would they go? Um, just check out EnchantedMakeovers.org. We're on Facebook, um, Enchanted Makeovers, Instagram. Awesome. All that will be linked in the show notes. Very last question for Terry. Let's say we were to go back in time uh, to that Terry, who is sitting there, she just left the shelter and she had this thing in her heart that was like, oh, this work, I'm not doing it. This is not for me, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And you were really resisting that calling. You hadn't taken the leap yet. If you were to go and sit with her for a moment and tell that Terry one thing that you understand now that she did not understand back then, what would that be? I would say to her, you're going to learn so much about yourself and others. You need to, you need to leave Big thank you to Terry for coming on today's episode. Again, you can check her out at enchantedmakeovers.org. That is linked in the show notes. And friends, if you are not a part of our text message community, I encourage you to join us. All you got to do is text FAM to 844-872-1126. Again, that is FAM, F-A-M, to 844-872-1126. All right, y'all. I'll see you in our next episode.